Well, as we can continue to worship in praise and adoration of the Lord Jesus Christ, I would like to invite you to open your Bibles to the book of Micah, chapter 5. The book of Micah, chapter 5, one of the Old Testament, what we call minor prophets, not minor because unimportant, but minor because of shorter uh, than some of the other prophets and prophecies, but a rich portion of God's Word, and particularly the text that we're going to look at uh, on this Christmas Eve. Micah chapter 5, beginning with verse 1, down through the first part of verse 5. Micah chapter 5, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops, siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. Therefore he shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth, then the rest of his brothers shall return to the people of Israel, And he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they shall dwell secure, for now he shall be great to the ends of the earth, and he shall be their peace. Let's pray. Father, we are always dependent on you to open your word to us. We are always dependent on you to open our ears to your word. And so, in these next few moments, would you please, by the grace of the Holy Spirit, would you please enlighten us and show us things that are wonderful, things that are blessed, things that will strengthen, things that will encourage our hearts. Show us Christ, we pray through his name. Amen. Well, I have found myself in this Christmas season feeling a very great need to have my eyes fixed on Christ and to help all of us fix our gaze upon Jesus in ways that surpass warm sentiment, uh, even in ways that surpass what are the normal Christmas pleas for generosity and sacrifice, all of which are good and worthy. But I am convinced that in these days and these hours, we need to see Jesus. We need to see him high and lifted up. We need to rest in Jesus. We need to find our hope and our future in Jesus. We need mostly to see a truer and better understanding of who Jesus is and what Christmas is and who the Christ child actually was and, if you will, grew up to be. In Micah 5, just like Isaiah 9 that we have considered the past two Sundays, Micah 5 can reveal this Christ, 
the Christ child, reveal who he is to us. And Micah does this in words that, again, are majestic and glorious and exalting of our Lord Jesus. So let's look at the text together. We should notice verse 1 before we go any further. Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. This verse gives us a bit of the historical setting for this prophecy. Ancient Israel was under siege probably by King Sennacherib of uh, Assyria who had come. And uh, a siege, as you probably know, is an extended period of time when an enemy surrounds a town or a city to cut off supplies and to force that town to surrender. A siege is a prolonged season of suffering, of fear, of enemy attack, of unsettledness and uncertainty as you see your supplies running out and you never know when the enemy is going to strike. Israel was surrounded by, hemmed in by, over, uh, by enemies and over a long period of time. And I, and I find in this imagery something that connects to us in our time. It does feel, doesn't it, as if we have been in something of a siege here in the year 2020. Perhaps more than ever we have felt as if we've been surrounded uh, by enemies and perils and dangers. What is the year 2020 with its pandemic, with us Right here in this area, the Philadelphia area, living in the deep red zone of COVID positives and lockdowns and politics and racial tensions and incivility and a cultural meltdown and brother against brother strife and sister against sister argument. We are living in the midst of a siege and we can be sure that the enemy of our souls is trying to force our surrender, a surrender to doubt, a surrender to fear, a surrender to division, to grief, to despair, and more. We are hemmed in by multiple trials and hardships all around us. It's laying siege to our faith. And it's into this kind of context that this prophecy is given. A prophecy of the Messiah, a messianic prediction meant to comfort us and fortify us when under siege. And while this prophet was prophecy was given six or seven hundred years before the Messiah was born, and we live some two thousand years after the Messiah was born, the truth and the comfort of this prophecy remain the same and wonderfully effective and helpful to us today. So, will you look with me at this text? And and there are two simple headings that I have for what is really a very simple message this Christmas Eve. I want us to notice briefly the humble birthplace of the Messiah. And then the majestic reign of the Messiah. The humble birthplace and the majestic reign. First, His humble birthplace. Notice verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, 
Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. There is almost a, a feeling of amazement about these words. Bethlehem, this tiny town that some have estimated may have been no bigger than five or six football fields put together and just a very few hundred residents in that town. This tiny um, and inconsequential town gives birth to the Messiah. He whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days, that refers to his lineage. He who whose lineage is from ancient times. It goes all the way back to David and beyond David to Judah and beyond Judah to Abraham. It goes way back in time. He whose coming forth was from ancient days. He who has this royal lineage is born in Bethlehem. This tiny, poor, inconsequential town. You see, this is, this is no ordinary king. This is a humble king. This is a servant king. His humble birthplace marks the humble trajectory and path of his entire life. For behold, before the majesty of his exaltation, there was the agony of his humiliation. He is a great king, and majestic in his glory, but you would never know it by looking at his manger or at Bethlehem or at the fact that he never had any place to lay his head or call home or at the fact that he rode into Jerusalem in his most triumphant moment, so to speak, on a donkey or the fact that He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Humility and servant-heartedness marked King Jesus throughout his earthly life. His was a humble birthplace, a humble beginning. This is no ordinary king. He is extraordinary for his humility. But his humiliation was exchanged for exaltation. He who became poor for our sakes was once again exalted to the right hand of God. And I want us to see his majestic reign. He is a ruler who, in the words of verse 4, shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. Don't let the humble beginning fool you. This is no weak and frail king. He wears as his robe the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And in that majesty and majestic reign, this text tells us that he does at least five Things. There are at least five acts that he performs and is in the process of performing and completing that one day will be complete 
for us. Let me give these to you in these next few minutes. First, He shall restore. He shall restore. Look at verse 3. Therefore He shall give them up until the time when she who is in labor has given birth. Then the rest of His brothers shall return to the people of Israel. This is referring to people who have been banished from the land. Those who have experienced God's discipline and His chastisement for their sins. Under the reign of the Messiah, they would experience a return, a a rebirth, a restoration. The Messiah is a restorer. He restores those who have been banished. He reconciles to God those who were once alienated from God. He brings back those who have wandered off. He calls home those who have no place to call home. Those who find themselves lost. Those who are wandering. Those who are aimless. Those who feel spiritually exiled and homeless. He restores them. He is the restoring Messiah. And every one of us who knows the love of Christ knows this experience firsthand. Because there was a day when we all were wandering. We were all lost. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The amazing grace of God in Christ He shall restore. He shall gather in all who are lost, all who are weary, all who are wandering. He is the restoring Messiah. Secondly, He shall stand. He shall stand. Notice verse 4. And He shall stand and shepherd His flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. I love the imagery here. He is standing. He is a a king on his feet. He He is not resting. He is not disengaged. He is not disinterested. He is not indifferent. He's not lounging around or indulging or kicking back. He is on his feet, active, engaged, walking watching and working at all times. I'm struck by two different texts of Scripture. This one that pictures the Messiah as the king standing on his feet and active. And then the book of Hebrews that tells us that in his role as our great high priest, he is no longer standing. He is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Why? Because his role as high priest in offering an atonement for our sin, that work has been completed. So as a high priest, he is sitting. But as a king, he is standing. He is standing. He is active. In the midst of our current siege, he is on his feet. And he is doing his work in our lives and in our generation. There is one standing in the heavens even this very day, in this very hour of trial, and he will stand in it, and he will stand throughout it, and he will stand over it, and he will stand beyond it. He stands as king. He shall restore, 
he shall stand. Third, he shall shepherd. Shepherd. Micah 5 and verse 4, he shall stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord, in the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. He is the shepherd ruler. Throughout Scripture, particularly in the Old Testament, but also in the New, the concept of a shepherd, uh, we tend to, to think of it purely in terms of tender care uh, and feeding and nourishing and protecting, and all of those are true. Uh, but the concept of a shepherd is tied to rule and reign, to authority. He is the shepherd ruler, a shepherd in all that that means. Don't forget Isaiah 40, which is another great Christmas text. In Isaiah 40 and verse 10, we read, Behold, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. The king stands to shepherd his flock with all the love, the care, the wisdom, the grace that we need. He stands to shepherd us right now, guiding us and feeding us and protecting us and leading us. He is unfailing as our shepherd king. We don't have to look at COVID or politics or political differences or strained relationships or a possible new location for our church or any other circumstances. We don't have to look at them through the eyes of fear. We can look at them confident that our shepherd ruler is going to guide us. He is going to go with us. He is going to hold us and carry us and protect us. He is our shepherd king. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want and Jesus himself said, I am the good shepherd and I have given my life for the sheep. As the great shepherd ruler, he is overseeing all that is at all times for all his people, directing it and directing us to his intended ends and purposes. He shall shepherd, he shall restore, he shall stand he shall shepherd, and fourth, he shall be great. He shall be great. Look at verse 4. And they shall dwell secure. For now, he shall be great to the ends of the earth. The, the Hebrew word translated great here uh, actually means uh, more like magnified. He, he shall be increased, if you will, in glory and honor and power. The, the glory of the Messiah shall be revealed and be magnified. And this shall be, the prophet says, to the ends of the earth. The glory of Christ and of His kingdom is, is like the sun. In its early rising, it, it peaks up over the horizon and it, it, it sends forth some light. And then a few seconds, a few minutes later, it's higher in the sky and it sends more light. And then higher and then higher until it reaches the bright noonday sun. 
and it and it fills the earth. This is the glory and the greatness of the Messiah. He shall be great to the ends of the earth. We don't always see this as much as we would love to see it. But again, as I have said recently, don't be fooled by the baby of Bethlehem. Don't be fooled by this present darkness in this world. Things are not what they seem. They seem dark. They seem dim. They seem dreary. But He shall be great to the ends of the earth. He shall be magnified. He shall be lifted up. He shall restore He shall stand. He shall shepherd. He shall be great. And finally, He shall be our peace. He shall be our peace. Verse 5 says just that. He shall be our peace. As we said in the message a couple of Sundays ago, as the Prince of Peace, He is our peace with God through His death and righteousness. He is our peace of conscience. That though we are guilty, we are treated as innocent and nobody can bring a charge or a condemnation against the people of God because through the redemption of Christ, we are washed clean. He is our peace in trials. He is our peace while under siege. He is our peace with one another. I imagine that you have perhaps often noticed the emphasis on peace that Bible texts give to the Christmas event. Isaiah 9, 6, and 7 that we looked at over the last couple of Sundays, His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of His government and of peace, there will be no end. Or you remember the song of the angels in Luke chapter 2. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. And here in Micah, He shall be our peace. This is our great longing, isn't it? Oh, this is our great and desperate longing for peace with God and peace with each other. Let's not be confused. Let's not set wrong expectations. God has not promised that all conflict will end in this life. In fact, He has promised the opposite of that. Jesus once said, Don't don't think that I've come to bring peace, but a sword. If you are faithful to me, if you walk faithfully with your God, if you obey him and bear witness of Christ in this or any generation, there will be those who hate and there will be those who attack. But God has promised internal peace. Peace in the midst of it all. God has promised us peace with one another as brothers and sisters in Christ. The day is coming when He's going to make all wars to cease and all conflicts to end. And the sword will be beaten into a plowshare and the lion and the lamb will lie down together and those who right now feel great distrust and 
perhaps even animosity and discomfort with others. The day is coming when all of that shall be put to rest. And the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, will be our peace. Shalom is coming. Shalom is coming. Until then, let us keep the faith. Let us keep our hope. As I think on this passage, three concluding encouragements come to mind. First of all, let let us not give up hope. Gaylene and I were talking this afternoon about the fact that the prophecies these prophets received and recorded actually dated back thousands of years. The, the, the prediction of a coming Messiah goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden. How long it took and how God's people longed for their fulfillment. Micah comes along and makes this prophecy but it's still 700 years longer until finally Bethlehem happened. Oh, my friends, let's, let's not despair. What seems to us like such a long time until the fulfillment of it all uh, is in the sight of our God, not a long time. He has plans. He has purposes that are still unfolding. Um, though centuries have passed since the Prince of Peace came, that Messiah King is working and will continue to work until the day that eternity dawns upon us. And while we are waiting, let us be those who are instruments of peace, committed to peace with each other, whatever the cost, committed to sharing the gospel of peace with our neighbors who do not yet know peace in any measure in relationship with God. And while we wait, let us not only hold on to hope and let us not only be instruments of peace, but let us be worshipers of the King. Those who realize that the Messiah, Savior, the Christ of Bethlehem, He is great and he shall be magnified throughout the whole earth. Let's pray. Lord, lift our hearts. Lord, elevate our spirits. Lord, fill us with hope and peace and joy. Because the Messiah has come. And you have entrusted to him the kingdom that will never end. And he will establish righteousness and peace and joy in us all. Father, if there are any hearing the sound of my voice right now who need peace with you, would you please open their hearts to you. Give them the gift of faith that they may trust in the Messiah King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we will give you all the glory and all the honor. Amen. Going to do something a little different as we close on this Christmas Eve. Um, If you will indulge my less than polished voice, I'm wondering if you would join with me in closing 
this service with the singing of the chorus of O Come, O Ye Faithful. Perhaps you'll want to kneel. Perhaps you'll want to stand with your arms and hands lifted up to the Messiah King. Um, Whatever your preference, I would like us to close just by singing this simple expression of worship before the Lord. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Oh, come, let us adore Him. Christ the Lord. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the glory. We give Him all the glory. Christ the Lord. For he alone is worthy, for he alone is worthy, for he alone is worthy, Christ the Lord. And now may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, may he equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And, if I might add, may he fill your celebration of Jesus in this strange and trying time with all joy and wonder through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. God be with you. God keep you until we meet again. Merry Christmas.